Spencer, dude, we have a little different deal. You know how I like to bust up on the internet, kids, right? You uh, have made a living at that. <laughs> I would like to think I made my living catching fish, but I hear you knocking. So, but here's the deal. Here's this guy's been doing a long time. Jay Siemens. Some guys know him from uncut angling. He's kind of doing his own thing now and self-filming and all that good stuff. But he's, I'm going to tell you, he's got street cred. Like this guy can catch him. He's kind of like the polar opposite of me. So I hope I don't scare him too much. He's definitely, um, he's the least polarizing person you'll ever meet, I think, from in the fishing industry. So I'm interested to get some tips and things because he basically kind of does your job with a little right. fishing. Yeah. He does good stuff. I mean, that's something, one of the channels that I've looked at, you know, looking for ideas for us and, and see how he does things uh, for sure. So I'm interested to hear what he has to say about producing video. Yeah. And I'm going to be a little tamer than like we were with country Steve because, because. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's let's bring him on before he decides he doesn't want to do this he may watch a couple of our videos and run <laughs> jay siemens welcome to the big water podcast you know i've been watching your stuff for a while i've been kind of like cyber stalking you that's good that's good. people come up to me and they're like I, i've been stalking you i'm like no, no no this is good like i want people to be watching my stuff it's not it's not a bad thing right. so thank you and uh this is our first time chatting we've only dm'd a little bit so this this is right. it yeah, there's a little mutual respect, or at least there is this way, you know, with what you're doing. So I don't want to like be disrespectful right out of the gate, but you know, I kind of learned about you through the uncut angling thing. So yeah, that was absolutely. yeah. That uh, was kind of your first deal, right? Yeah. I mean, I was straight out of high school. And uh if you guys aren't familiar with uncut angling, it's a YouTube fishing show my buddy Aaron Weeb hosts. And um I essentially was gonna go to photography school, and Aaron was like, do you want to drop out of school and start a fishing show with me? I was like eight, I was like 18 or 19. He was 26 or 25 at the time. And I'm like, yeah, it's my dream to be a part of a fishing show in some way. And we kind of hit the road and started making YouTube videos. That's like, yeah, 11 years ago already. And, uh, you know, things have changed since. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where it all started. Are you guys still doing stuff or life kind He's of getting in the way mostly, of that? Mostly self-filming when he is doing it. So it's, it's like he'll, I mean, these days it's sometimes tough. To, I mean, with fishing stuff in general, it's tough to always coordinate having a, having a videographer. Right. So sometimes in this <laughs> YouTube space, it's, it's easier just to, to go do it yourself. Right. Rather than line up a cameraman and like try to schedule that Aaron's not a very scheduled person. So it's easier for him just to take off and, and film himself. And I mean, yeah, he's, he's good at it. So I don't, I, the last project we worked on together was a competition called 39 hours. And I'm sure we'll work together on, on more projects, but um, he's mostly doing self-filming. I'm doing self-filming for a lot of my fishing stuff right now. So, Yeah, I mean, again, not this is about you today, but I'm intrigued because no, no, no. he, he is just, yeah, yeah, he is like you and him. Just, again, I don't know either one of you guys, but from surface value, it's kind of like producer dude jump in here, me and like, I don't know, everybody else we film with. Like you guys are like oil and water i mean not in a bad way but you're just like polar opposites is that fair yeah yeah yeah. aaron oh man aaron's until you spend time with him he's just such a personality like he's he's such a unique dude and he always thinks it's out of the box i think that's why his his videos uh, uh have grabbed people's attention right because he's like just an interesting person to watch he's funny he's he's an unbelievable fisherman and then he just he'll never he'll never settle right he'll he'll have an idea in his mind and he will just keep doing it until he he fails 30 times and then he'll, it'll finally happen or whatever it might be right like uh yeah he's, <laughs> he's he's special that way 
And I think, I think we're just, yeah, we're wired a little bit differently um, on that side of things. Uh, but yeah, no, he's, it's, it's been a lot of, uh, it's a lot of good memories. And the funny thing is, is like, Aaron will just drop off the face of the earth sometimes for a couple of weeks. This is something that he's done as long as I've known him. And sometimes people will contact me and they're like, so where's Aaron at? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I know Aaron as good as anyone. And he will just disappear and be fishing. Who knows where he won't tell me even. And, and like n- nobody knows. And then he'll resurface with some crazy video and it's like, Oh, there's, there's Aaron for you. So, yeah. So, I mean, tell us what you've been kind of doing since the uncut angling. You said we're self-filming, doing some of that stuff. But, like, what what does that mean? Because realistically, you know, it's fun to fish. And I think that's the, the the I don't know if you want to call it the fourth wall or something. But when people see kind of things that we do, even though me and you do different things, we're still making a living in the fishing industry. Yep. And people, I think, fail to realize, like, a lot of the stuff that they want to see, they don't really pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, yeah, you make some money maybe on it, but the time and the resources and everything, just like you said, having a camera guy, I got producer dude. When, yeah. Like we, we can't make enough money, you know, at least at this point, I don't, most of us can't on just a podcast or something like that. This is not a Joe Rogan deal. So yeah. like, what, what was that next step for you when you kind of said, okay, we're going to self film. We're going to do these other things. Yeah. I mean, so like the whole time when I started doing the uncut stuff, I was, I was guiding. So when I was probably 16 or 17, I started guiding, but kind of, kind of different than, than your deal. Like I'd be flying to <clears throat> flying to lodges in Northern Manitoba, Northern Saskatchewan. And I would guide for 70 days straight. I'd go up for like a lot of these seasons would be June 20th to August 20th. And that was the entire season. So you'd go and you'd work every single day and um, you know, you can't spend money cause you're up there, right? You're stuck in the middle of nowhere. Um, and so you live off of, you live off of that for the rest of the year. Right. So that would afford me the ability to be a fish bum the rest of the year. I could, I could work those three months and then go, you know, maybe chip away at the fishing show or do some other stuff. And in, in the meantime, I kind of got more into photography and videography. And like, if someone wants to pay the bills as a photographer, like shooting weddings, is just, I don't know. I don't know why it is, but people pay a lot of money to shoot weddings. And that for me was what afforded me to buy camera gear and to, you know, start working on my YouTube channel and other stuff because I'd shoot a wedding. That'd be Saturdays, Sundays. And then I would do some corporate work, some shooting stuff, but then, you know, get a fish, get a fish more. And then it was kind of like trying to build up, you know, the, the YouTube side of things for my own channel. So I started uploading to my own channel and then as that grew, I saw, okay, well, maybe I should take a couple less paid jobs and focus on trying to build the YouTube channel if it is going to become something that I could sustain myself off of. So I still do take a couple um, like corporate jobs here and there, but I'm trying to get to the place where it's 100% just just doing YouTube, right? Because uh, YouTube is, it's tough. There's a lot of people that are doing it, a lot of people wanting to do it, and uh, it's it's really tough to do part-time. And that's something I learned from Aaron is like, as as soon as people would offer him like other gigs, other jobs, he's like, no, he's like, I need to put everything into YouTube because that that's, that's where my focus is right now. And I, that's, that's where he wanted, he wanted to see growth. So, I mean, you need to put your focus into that. Right. And like you said, that's tough to do unless you have a guiding thing or some type of income. But even then, if you knew you step away for three months, yeah, yeah. that's, that's, I mean, Ross, not, that's, that's- that's exactly where we're at right now, right? I mean, we're not quite full-time on the YouTube thing, so it doesn't grow quite as fast as you want. I have a wedding to do on Saturday. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. right there with you, Jay, so it's it's the same boat. And to be 
successful on YouTube and, and Ross and I have talked about this. It's, it is, it's, you don't just turn a camera on and, and go out in the street and do something. I mean, there, there's time uh, and you've got to put content out con- consistently. Yeah. yeah that's long, the, the long form content out consistently. Oh, the, the consistent wow. part is, is tough, right? Because I, I could go fish every day, um, but I couldn't edit every day. My brain would be total mush. So it's like, if you can get to the point where you have an editor, then that's, that's a lot more helpful to get the, the constant content out. But it's like, yeah, for every, for every day, I mean, you guys know it for every day of fishing, you're editing probably for a day or two, depending on what, what the content is. So it's, it's, uh, when people are putting out videos every two to three days, it's, it's pretty impressive. Like, uh, I've always dreamt of doing a daily, daily uploads. Like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Casey Neistat, but he like, is one of my favorite YouTubers and he was in New York city and he did a daily YouTube video for like, it was two or three years straight, which is mind blowing. He he like didn't miss a day for like two or three years and his channel blew up. He, he gained, he's at whatever, eight, nine, 10 million subs now, whatever it is. But it's just like, he, he knew the daily uploads were the thing and he wanted to tell that story every day. And it's like, I I'd love to do that, but it's yeah, it's not easy. It's funny you say that about the wedding thing, because a, I can answer why it's because it's the women. It's not us guys on watching this. Generally speaking, yeah. producer dude, he's, he's our numbers guy. These are generally men watching. So I've only alienated like three not people. Only, not only generally like 99.9%. Yes. Yeah. We had like four women watching that they were all disgusted. So they left, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, I, I, there's a bunch of young guys I know and more from the hunting side of stuff that you don't want to get into, you know, the videography and do this. And I always tell them like, dude, do weddings. And they're like, there's all these, you know, buff dudes. They're like, Oh dude. I'm like, do you want to make some cash? Maybe meet some pretty ladies, get a free meal. Like dude, quit being stubborn, man. Yeah. You know? I mean, you know what? Shooting weddings. It, I, I enjoyed shooting weddings and it teaches you how to shoot on your toes and in like high stress situations. Like it's very similar to filming hunting or fishing because you don't have retakes. You know, when you screw up something at a wedding, you've missed that opportunity. Same thing with fishing or hunting. This isn't a corporate job where you can like set it up again and again. So weddings teach you stress. They teach you how to deal with sometimes difficult personalities when you get like a crazy mother of the bride and, and she has all these expectations of the day. So anyways, I think weddings are good. Um, I, I think you'd burn out if all you did is weddings. Some people can do that for a living, but I mean, for me, it's like you shoot weddings on weekends and then you can make YouTube videos. And and that's the thing with any side hustle, right? It's like, if you can guide and build the YouTube or, you know, shoot weddings and build your YouTube, if YouTube's your goal, whatever it might be, but it's just like, it's, it's how much time are you willing to put in and how many evenings and weekends are you willing to edit and shoot and plan the next video? And because, you know, back in the day, I was just listening to your podcast with Al Linder when he had a show like the barrier to entry, you need a hundred thousand dollar camera and you need someone in an editing suite and TV was pretty much the only option. So you're pretty much like 50 to hundred grand in for airtime, hundred grand for the proper, you're probably a quarter million to, to produce a, a show. Um, and now it's like, I know guys that make videos just with their iPhone and they edit on their iPhone and they upload and they get big views. So it's like, I, I have, yeah. You know, I've seen every as we've had Fred Zink on, on our podcast, who's a great friend of mine and pretty big deal in the hunting world. And, you know, 
I'll sit in his office and I'm looking, he's got four or five guys, you know, he's, he's got people full-time editing for all of the things he does, right? Not just the TV. And here he told me 20 years ago, he's like, dude, you got to have a product to sell or this TV thing doesn't make sense. Other than that, it's just a vain ego deal because yeah. it just, it's such a time warp, you know, as well. And then the flip of that is one of the companies I work with, the actual owner of the company put this clip out. He sends it to me and says, Hey, what do you think of this? I'm like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. And, and I won't get into the, the funny part of that is probably not appropriate for here, but nevertheless, I, he goes, yeah, he goes, uh, you know, I paid this company to do that. And he said, do you like this one or this one? I'm like, oh, you know, they're both good. And he goes, well, good, because this one cost me X number of dollars to have done. And this one, my 12 year old did on her iPhone or iPad. <laughs> that's great. And you know, that, that's kind of the reality, but I guess that's like producer right now, we're going to find out how Jay is going to be. He's way more PC than me for sure. Okay. So we're <laughs> look at, look at his face, right? He's got that baby face. He's, he's okay. I haven't called baby Jay. That was my nickname at a couple lodges. I worked out was baby Jay. So yeah, I could see that. I mean, we got the Mayberry look uh, producer dude going on. We're going to see how he's going to be with us. So here's the million dollar question. You are the perfect guy. When I look at stuff, and this is the example I use with a lot of guide clients all the time talking to the boat. When you, anybody that's, that has YouTube, it's, it means something different for them. Some people listen yeah. to music videos, some people trying to learn something. For most of it's like, hey, how to fix the washer. I've got yeah. this, this, you know what I mean? Like that's how I l- probably look at it the most. I yeah. don't honestly look at a lot of outdoor stuff on there. Bear with me for one second for this build yeah. up. <laughs> so. You, that's that's how you look at it. You look at it, and when you look for how to repair XYZ washer, you'll see a video come up. You're like, dude, this guy's professional. Like, this yeah. guy's dialed in. Then you're going to see another one with a million hits, and you're like, well, let me think here. Let me beat a wrench. You know, and you're like, how did this guy get 10 views on this? Like, this is ridiculous. This is zero good. And then you've got some just crazy stuff in the middle and then things the other direction. And I think it's the same thing with fishing. And I know like Al Linder and a lot of guys that have, like the Gary Roaches and some of those old school guys that taught me a lot about the game. They aren't going to come out on a podcast and say this, but I've had these conversations with these guys type of thing yeah. where behind closed doors they, you see some of these people like producer dude, we won't throw him under the bus, but Al privately said a few things to us, you know, about in so many words where, hey, these guys that are putting this content out there on YouTube for just shock value, like Al's old school, I guess maybe yeah. I'm a little old school. I know this is a big buildup, but you know, that shock value of like, yeah. like guys that have street cred that can really go fish. Yeah. Kind of like screw you, man. And, and you were at that beginning of that YouTube thing. I would think I would say, you mean you were literally a kid, right? When you got going yeah. with that. Yeah. So having somebody that can actually catch fish and do this in like a semi-professional now professional with that, does any of this new stuff, I don't want to say offend you, but do you just privately be honest, roll your eyes and be like, dude, this is discrediting me a little bit. Well, it does, but it's, I think some of it, you know, when I look at what I upload, it's like, am I going to be proud of this in 10 or 20 years? And is this just going to be a fad? I, th- I think some of those videos that are maybe more sensationalized might not have that staying power. Like that's that's what I say about an Aaron Weeb video is because some of his videos are just so crazy. Like him catching, he used the silver play button that you get after 100,000 subscribers and he put hooks in it and caught a big pike with it. It's like yeah. that video is timeless. I wasn't involved in that video at all. That was all him. And it's like that's the video that you could watch in five or 10 years and be like, this would be amazing. But if it's, you know, someone going fishing and the cops get called and it's, it's something like that, which is just a, a trend that a lot we've of had do. that producer, dude, we've had that we unintentionally. Did. Yeah, we did have the, the cops yeah. called. Yeah. 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 No, 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 that's, that's good. Like, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that 
it's maybe not as timeless. I mean, I don't roll my eyes. It's like everyone's doing their own thing. And if that's how they want to build their channel, that's how they can build their channel. Um, I don't like if it, I think like once you get to maybe strapping GoPros on fish and some of that stuff, it's like, you know, it maybe gives a, a bad look on the whole industry. And I know a bunch of people have done it and I'm not like trying to shame those people um, in the right situation. I might even do it, but it's just like, how, how far are you willing to go? There obviously is that, that line of like, you want, you want people to be clicking on your videos. So there needs to be some intrigue to your title, but it's like, where's the line on clickbait versus just a good title because thumbnail and title are are such a big part of it. And, and like you said, some of those videos you click on, it's like, this video wasn't that good, but the thumbnail and the title brought you in. So I don't know. I, it, it doesn't, I don't get 20 second view. Sorry. (laughs) The 20 second view. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, but from, I, I guess, you know, it, I expected that answer. And I, and I, I think that's probably even where I sit with a little bit from a business standpoint. Now, people probably listen to this or like yawning at when I say this, but from a business standpoint, you know, me and producer dude did a TV show for almost a decade together, like a real yeah. deal TV show. And he's produced just all kinds of big stuff. And then when we start doing this, I'm sure sometimes he rolls his eyes. Right. But yeah. <laughs> producer who's eye rolling back in the head right now like oh god not him again but when you i guess what i'm getting at is like when you sit down with a company because i know you still work with companies even though you're yeah. not like heavily when you sit down with the goes and a couple of the same people we work with a few yeah. of the same people when you sit down with those guys they kind of go ah oh, youtube channel especially if they're older than us like yeah. oh, they, they don't maybe even see the impact but i think a lot of it is and that's the reason i kind of asked the question like i wasn't just trying to throw stuff on the wall no it's, no and like yeah, I think what you're saying about companies is like there are people that get big views doing sensationalized stuff. And I think there it depends what their intentions are. Some some people would say, oh, I don't, I don't want to change, you know, just for I don't want to change just for YouTube or for whatever it might be. But the thing is, big companies probably aren't going to want to touch you if you're if you're too edgy. Right. If you're doing something questionable, they probably won't want to necessarily sponsor you depending on the company. Right. So it's like some of these people might be doing sensational stuff. It's great, but unless they build their own company, they might not be able to get a sponsorship, right? They could build their own brand, but if if a third-party brand like Shimano wants to come in and they have a bunch of obscene stuff on their YouTube channel, Shimano probably won't want to touch them, right? So it's like you need to be getting really big views to be able to make a living off of YouTube without sponsors. Um, and it's it, there's there's only I would say a, a handful of people living in that top tier that that can make a living just off of the views alone. I, I don't know if I can make a living just off the views alone. Like the sponsors are pretty important. Right. So. Interesting. Yeah. I I just think, you know, some of the guys, when they look at that, those companies, they don't, it seems to kind of devalue what it is. You know, when everybody's doing it, it devalues it a little bit, but then also when that there seems to be a little bit of a negative connotation to it at this point. Oh yeah. Sorry. I didn't totally answer your question there. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's like YouTube's been around. Like, I mean, Aaron and I started in 2011 and even then it was like, Hey, could, could we get, uh, could we get free, uh, free state your accommodations to film a video and people be like, Oh, you just have a YouTube channel. It's like, Oh no, sorry. You can pay full price. And it's just like, <laughs> even, even something like that, which I don't necessarily think is a huge ask, but now there's still people 10 years later. And it's like, well, we're not, we're not sure if we're not sure if we can do that. And it's like, man, I, I want to help promote you like, please. And then it's, it's it's yeah they, they don't watch youtube right so if unless they have kids that watch youtube if they're not in the space they don't understand right they're like oh if it's a tv show we'll definitely take you if you're a tv show but if you're youtube uh i don't know right 
So I explaining uh, TikTok to a client. <laughs> TikTok, yeah, I know. I haven't, uh, I haven't sold TikTok to a client yet. Yeah, but uh, yeah, TikTok's a different one too. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, oh no, I don't need to join TikTok. I don't need to join TikTok, and then it just keeps gaining momentum. And it's like same thing with YouTube. YouTube at the start, it's like I don't need to be on YouTube, and then now at a certain point, it's like it's tougher and tougher. Every year you wait to join YouTube, there's that many more efficient creators. There's that much more noise you have to navigate through. So yeah, this, this guy over here you're talking to was on early and then stopped, uh, during the growth train wreck. What a train wreck. (laughs) He he was on in 2011 and then he stopped making videos in about 2016 (laughs) for a while, right when it blew up. So (laughs) that's why we're playing catch up now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think there's that, you know, probably I got an old school mentality a little bit and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go fish and show them what I got type of thing. And we'll do a little bit of this, but it's so hard, you know, like our, one of the last podcasts we shot that, that hasn't run yet, you know, me and producer do, I said, it, it takes a village, you know, to do to even for my business, I don't have a big business, but there's a lot of guys that are involved to make this happen. Rather, it's the guys that help with the rigging stuff. Yeah. You know, I do all my own stuff, but still, it's just, you know, a guy there when, you know, the boat comes in on Tuesday and you got to shoot on Thursday. Um, you know, like me and you have both shot some meat eater stuff and, you know, yeah. the stuff hits the fan. You know, I've got a camera boat driver. that has been with me for 20 years that like he makes a difference. You know what I mean? Yeah. So just stuff like that. I don't think people realize the the full depth of what's going on here. And that's why I was kind of trying to dig in and see, especially with you doing so much of it yourself. I mean, Oh man, there's, there's times where even after doing it for a bunch of years, it's just this, the stupidest things like, you know, a memory card just fails or like the camera wasn't rolling when you thought it was rolling or a hard drive crashes. I've been pretty lucky with a lot of that stuff, but it, it has happened. And, uh, it, it makes things difficult. If you have a dedicated cameraman watching everything that helps when you're trying to do it yourself and you're trying to fish and all that, it's, it's an extra challenge, but I also like, I love it when it all comes together, but it's just so frustrating when things go wrong, you know, when it's like something so small. And so rather it's a guy, it's not just me. It's not just me. See, no, other, it happens to other people. Oh I, man. I, I tell him on camera, producer dude sucks all the time, but he he really doesn't. But he needs to be taken down a notch. Anytime I give him a compliment, Jay, it's absolutely out the window, whether it's his ego or something massively goes wrong. And I'm like, I'm not talking to you nice anymore. And that's that's almost truthful a fact. But so how about some, you know, kind of along that lines of, you know, you doing all this this self-filming? Like I I just got back from a trip to Louisiana. I self-filmed it, you know, yep. and and in some aspects, I think it's almost better because, you know, like producer dude's not a hardcore fisherman. Like that's not his deal. That's not his background. So there's some aspects where it's way better because of what he has and others it's not, but like for him to, you know, to give him this footage now and he's going to put it together for us, you know, not being there, he can't grasp that whole thing. So I think that's a challenge, but what are, what are some tips with, um, you know, self-filming for the guy out there, whether it's a guy like me, a guy trying to do something, or maybe it's some young kid that says, Hey, I'm, I'm going to try to breach into the fishing industry this way. Yeah. What, what makes that, what have you learned the hard way that you can shorten the curve for these guys? I think just trying to simplify things as much as possible. Cause at the end of the day, keeping your camera recording, keeping one camera with good audio recording is more important than four cameras and drones and slow-mo and everything else. I love to play with all those things because I'm a producer, but at the end of the day, if you can make sure that one camera is hooked up to a battery and it's filming in 1080 quality, that's great. But as soon as like people are like, Oh, you got to film it in 4k, you got to color grade it. You got to do this. It's like, 
all those things that you stack are just going to work against you in your favor, right? Like if you're filming in 4k, your batteries are going to die faster. And like, then you're going to need more memory cards and all that stuff. Right. So it's just like, I think you need to tell your story and focus on your, you know, you know, your storytelling. Um, and then just, yeah, keep keeping it basic. There'll be time to add more cameras and to get more complex, but you need to just kind of nail the basics first before you try to do anything fancier. Cause I know people, like I said, people that just use their iPhone, you can use your iPhone. I filmed a video two years ago and I did, I filmed the whole thing with the iPhone and halfway through the video, I was like, Hey guys, I filmed this video with my iPhone. And that's like the most common question I get is like, what camera should I get if I want to get into videography? And it's like, whatever you can afford, you know, iPhones are so good. They film 4k. They like, if you know, what about audio though, what about the audio with the iPhone? What are you doing for that? So I wear something, I might even have one beside me here. You know, you probably don't have audio or uh, I don't know if this video is going to be part of the podcast, but this is something I wear. It's called a Tascam. It's called the Tascam DL10R and it's this little box. It's like two inches by two inches. And this thing just scores through a micro SD card. So that thing I just clip onto myself and it's disconnected from my phone. It's disconnected from GoPros. It's just a, a, an individual audio source that records through a micro SD card. I clip that on and that just rolls all day. I might have to switch batteries once. So whether you're filming with a GoPro or uh, an iPhone or any camera, it's like then you have professional audio for like 200 bucks clipped onto your clipped onto your sweater. Because otherwise, if you try to use a shotgun mic on the top of your camera, which a lot of YouTubers use, which is great for scenarios with lots of people and moving around, uh, as soon as there's wind, the audio just goes out the door. And that's like the biggest thing is I tell people like the audio needs to be better than your video because people are going to turn off the video if it's just wind noise. Like, I think this is the case with all of us when we started making videos, but like you have a couple cool clips and you put like uh, a Motley Crue song underneath it. And that's your edit. It's like, just, there's no audio. There's just some rock and roll music and a guy reeling in a fish. Right. But if you can have audio and personality, that's what people want to see, right. They want to hear you talking. They want to learn. So that's why having some sort of somewhat professional audio, like you could use your iPhone on a calm day, but if you can spend the money and just buy a mic, I would tell people to buy a good mic before they buy a better camera because if you have good audio then no matter what the wind is i can hear you're talking and you can just sync it up with your iphone later so. gotcha so so besides the iphone thing let's say because there's probably a lot of people out here that are at the iphone and the gopro or whatever yep. action cam level right but yep. they're probably trying to get to that next thing and again as i cyberstock jason yep. yep. i've seen some pretty fancy gear that you have for sale as you mess with stuff and you're buying yep. more and trying things out so let's say they don't have a producer dude like i do like yep. that's that's the reality yep. so when you're in between that and they're trying to make that next little jump what are the what's what's the gear that you're like you pretty much have to have this and this is kind of like christmas gift you might want to try to get this oh i mean whatever camera you use if you're gonna like the next step would probably be a mirrorless camera mirrorless cameras are kind of taking over these days but something that has a, a selfie screen that flips towards you there's a lot of years where i was filming with a, a normal like a canon rebel that didn't have that selfie screen that flipped out but you want to be able to see, you know, if you're holding a fish up to the camera where it's fitting in the frame. So any, I, I'm filming with a Sony a7S III, which is, I think, like a $3,000 camera. But any of those Sony mirrorless series with the flip-out screen, that's going to just make your life so much easier. Because then while you're fishing, you can look over at the screen and monitor things. The biggest thing is you got to monitor it while you're fishing, right? If you don't have a screen that flips out, you can't tell if it's recording. You can't tell if the audio is bouncing up and down or if it's, like, low on battery. So I would say that's something that's pretty important. And, um, and then I think you just need to spend the time to rig whatever type of fishing you're doing, spend a couple days in the shop beforehand, figuring out, okay, this is how I'm going to rig it up in my boat. That might be rigging a monopod onto a seat post. That's 
that's the type of camera mount I use a lot of the time. So as long as the boat has a seat post, I can drop that that monopod in there and then the camera goes on top and it's filming me and my tiller a lot of the time or I can turn it around. So it's like figuring out what what rigging is going to help me the most in my in my situation. Because once I'm fishing, you don't want to be messing with gear. The more the more complex it gets once you're fishing, then you're going to say, screw this. I don't want to mess with the camera gear and you're just going to stop filming. That's that's I think the most common thing is people's memory cards fill up or their battery dies and they're like, hey, I'm done. I'm not filming anymore. I just want to catch fish. Because everyone well, wants to catch fish when they go out, right? Well, and see that, and that's to me, and that's absolutely before me and producer dude were doing exactly what we're doing now. Like the TV show yeah. is the TV show. My question for you, producer dude, we're going to find out right now. This is attempt number two. Is Jay going to be honest and not completely PC with us here? Is when you're fishing and you're filming, yeah. because again, I do that different level, different thing, different deal, whatever. I'm not yeah. categorizing any of it. But yeah. when you're doing that at whatever level, does it suck the life out of you at some point? And you're like, I just want to fish. I'm not enjoying this. Be honest, Jay. Don't lie to you me. You know what? Whenever I have those moments where it's like, oh, this is sucking the life out of me. I'd rather just turn the cameras off. Then I'm like, man, people would be killing to be doing what I'm doing right now. Like I realize how lucky I am to be, you know, one of the few people that's able to do the YouTube thing right now. And it's like, I, I can't complain at all. There's times where it's tough. Like work is Always, there's times where you guide where it's great. And there's times where you go out guiding. You're probably like, oh, I really don't want to be out in the water today. But at the end of the day, it's like, I got to go out fishing today. How sweet is that? I could be stuck at a desk job, hating my life. And I think you just have to like keep that in mind. And then there's, there's, I think you need to make time for yourself to, to go do those activities without cameras. I would say 95% of the time, I'm, uh, I'm not filming. But you know, like now, my last couple hunts, I'll be like, yeah, I'm going deer hunting. I want this just. I just want to enjoy this for myself. I'm not going to film it. I think those moments are important too. But um, aren't yeah. you worried though? Let me interrupt you because aren't you a little worried though? Because like this, this, this Louisiana trip, which I kind of quit yeah. talking about, but you know, we pretty much know when you go, it's kind of like going to Lake Erie where I live. Like you pretty much know it's probably going to happen if you're there a few days. Like at some yeah. point you're going to, you're going to miss something and you don't want to yeah. miss something. And like, I, for me, that was a getaway. Cause I didn't, if I don't catch them or something doesn't happen in Louisiana, it doesn't change anything. Sponsors yeah. don't care. There's no guide clients. There's nothing on the line, yeah. but of course, producer dudes like, man, let's get this film. Let's get this film. It doesn't make sense to take him down there. That's just a lot of logistics. He's much better off doing stuff here. Realistically for what we're doing yeah. at this point, just being way transparent. But yet at that same point, I'm like, you know what? Like you said, I look at it. Maybe I'm not quite as producer dude. definitely back. I'm not quite as positive as you and not as uh, I'm half empty instead of half full. But I'm like, I, I kind of want to do my own thing, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want to so, miss it. I, I mean, I think if you were solely relying on a YouTube income, then that might feel a little bit different too. Do you know what I mean? Because for me, like the difference between getting a video or not is like that, that is my main source of income, right? I would say guiding is probably your main source of income right now. Uh, I, maybe. I, yeah, maybe not, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to paint you into a certain picture for all. I know YouTube's your biggest source of income, but no, just producer dude, it's definitely not. It's I promise. Definitely not. <laughs> I, I think it's just, uh, you know, I, I know that if I upload, that's, that's how I'm paying the bills is uploading. So it's like, that does, set an extra fire under you when I don't have weddings to fall back. Like I'm not booking weddings anymore. I think I shot my last wedding ever last weekend, my sister's wedding. And I'm like, Hey, I'm done. I'm retired. Right. So if I had weddings to fall back on, maybe I'd be more likely to be like, okay, well, I, I don't really care about as, as much about this video, but now it's like, no, you like, I'm, I'm trying to wean out that other, that other stuff as much as possible. So it's like, 
I'll still do a couple corporate jobs and basically just YouTube. And then, and then it's okay. Like, uh, every, every video is, is important, you know? So with that said, I know this is like a cliche, dumb question, producer dude, but bear with me on this one. Cause he's going to roll his eyes. Not, not surprised. What is like your dream situation then? Because it, just like you said, like we are both very fortunate to do what we do and yeah, I don't work in a factory and I kind of get to call my own shots and everything. Yeah. And I do live on the walleye world factory, but yeah. at some point you always go, Hey, if I had a hundred million dollars in the bank, I'd be doing this. Like, what is that thing for Jay? I'm assuming it's still fishing, but maybe it's not. Honestly, I think it's exactly what I'd be doing right now. I, I, I think what I'm doing right now, um, you know, three years ago, I was maybe shooting like a lot more client work, but now it's probably 90% YouTube, 10% client work. Cause I still love being behind the camera and, and doing like more artistic documentary style projects, like a, a fly fishing film style thing every once in a while. But like yeah, pretty much what I'm doing now is what I want to do. So I like, at least for the foreseeable future, I can't imagine, you know, wanting to do anything else. And I can't imagine just wanting to go fishing for fun day after day after day, like for me to retire and just fish without cameras. I mean, look at Al Linder. He still fishes with cameras most of the time when he goes out. Not Al's not, Al is not a good example because he's, he's an animal. Normal. Yeah, he's <laughs> he not is not normal. normal. To have that Al passion is, for that long is crazy to me. I, I didn't I didn't have the I didn't have the matzah. I did a few things that producer was like, I can't believe you asked him that. I'm like, I've known him since I was like 15. Yeah. He's like, I still can't believe it. But I didn't ask him about there was a charity event with some other yeah. people you probably know. And Al cast it over their head when they missed a fish on top water and banged it right in front of them. And the guy's like, it's a charity event, Al. Are you kidding me right now? Oh, like, amazing. I can't get a cast in there. But that's just Al. Like, I mean, that's, yeah, he's, he, I, I totally get where you're going. He's the worst yeah, yeah. example yeah. ever. Cause that dude's an, he's like the Rambo of fishing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I just can't imagine myself not filming the fishing stuff. And I, th- this might sound cliche too, but like one of my favorite things about, filming YouTube videos is being able to have those memories saved forever. Like I've, I've got some cool memories even outside of fishing. Like, you know, the first time I went fishing with Sam, this is fishing, but the first time I went fishing with my wife or when I proposed to her, I I filmed all that stuff. So I got these, these cool memories to show our kids one day and all that stuff. And it's like, I don't know. I have an awful memory. If it wasn't for photo and video, I forget so much stuff. It's just gone as soon as it happens. So being able to look back on that, it's like that, that's, one of my favorite parts having memories with my family and wife and those are those are documented now so well producer dude producer dude here's the deal he's a lot younger than us so when you guide over five thousand days on lake erie your body's (laughs) going to be telling you i don't want to fish every day jay i'm explaining i'm explaining to you how this is going to work okay i'm not trying to be a dad here but (laughs) like a lot of the stuff you know i think these things evolve you know like for me i really enjoy doing the product testing so i got to be out there doing that stuff but i'm not doing as many 12-hour days you know what i mean i really enjoy hosting stuff like you know me and you have both done multiple things you know with meat eater i enjoy getting on and doing a podcast you know for meat eater where it's not blown 30 miles an hour or if it is it doesn't matter you know like some of those things as you as you get old you're like you're not quite there yet so let me tell you (laughs) but what do you think is one of those things that what could be a transition for you? Because I don't care who you are. You look at through time. Everybody kind of just has a different role. Maybe it's you mentoring or doing something different or running a production company and letting some of those other guys do the grunt. But you have a thought about that at all? Um, I mean, living where I live on Lake of the Woods, if my body started to fail me, I think I would do, yeah, I could do shorter days. I could do, you know, I don't have to deal with the Great Lakes. So I'm pretty lucky on that side of things. But just, yeah, I really like business in general. So that might be 
you know, then, uh, I don't know, managing businesses or just, or yeah, just maybe doing less. Um, but yeah, I don't know what that's going to look like. I mean, I know it, I probably won't be a tiller, a tiller guy in 30 years. I'm still a hardcore diehard tiller guy. There's going to be a day where I want a windshield and I, who knows when that'll be, but I, I don't think I'll be a tiller guy till I'm 75 years old. I'll tell you that. So what is it about the tiller thing? Cause I'm a hybrid. I've got bubbles. I've got yeah. the bubbles, but what's I, I the, love, uh, I love the tiller just because I'm fishing for everything. And in the shield, I mean, I, I, a glass boat wouldn't make sense for what I do. Cause a lot of the time I'm on uncharted lakes, I'm hitting rocks all the time. I, I love the deep V boat cause I'm just doing a bit of everything. But then as far from like a filming standpoint, it's like, you have so much open space. If I want to bring a bunch of people fishing, that's great too. Obviously, they're getting kicked around more without without a windshield. They're going to get wetter. But also filming, if I'm ever doing vertical stuff in the back, you know, I've got my grass right in front of me at the back. I've got the tiller and the camera's pointed towards me. I can sit in the back of the boat, not have to move once and have the camera pointed and film an entire show without touching the camera. It can be in that same spot. And for dropping on fish vertically, I don't think there's something better than a tiller because if I'm trying to sharpshoot and catch specific fish I see on my live scope, I can just drive around and stay in that back corner and do everything I need to do. It's it's obviously more suited for for deeper fish. If the fish are shallow, I'm going to be up at the front. But for deeper fish, you can't beat a tiller. So you were you used to be in Winnipeg area, right? Yeah. And you moved to Kenora. Was that yeah. was that lady induced? To be honest. Yes. Was that lady induced? I knew Absolutely. it. Producer dude, I knew it. I knew it. I used to always uh, I used to always joke about marrying a girl from Kenora, and then it ended up happening. But like. I grew up an hour south of Winnipeg, right on the Manitoba, North Dakota border. And there was like no fishing within two hours. Like I had the Red River that I could fish for catfish and some walleye, but like that was pretty much it. So I would always do like day trips to Kenora. So I'd, I would leave at 3.30 in the morning, get to Kenora at 6.30, fish the day and get home at midnight. And that would be, I did that countless times for lake trout, for walleye, whatever. So it was like seven hours of driving, six hours of driving in one day. And then I you know, ended up connecting with her in Kenora and I had to make okay. this time out, time out producer, dude, let's have a little bet here. Was it a, an internet deal B through a friend in the fishing industry or C you pick one. <laughs> what do you think? Cause Jay's got this baby face thing on here. You know, I, um, but he could be a quiet killer. You're going to like this story. You're going to like this story. Okay, just throw it out there. Producer dude's dragging this out too long, Trebek. It's kind of A and B, and it all ties back to uncut angling. Sam, I knew, was, I knew it. Sam, my wife, she was, uh, I think, driving driving to a concert with a friend, and he was uh, a huge uncut angling fan. And he pulled up uncut angling on Instagram and was like, Sam, you should date one of the guys from uncut angling. So she pulls up Aaron's profile. She's like, uh, I don't know. You know, Aaron's had kind of a scraggly beard and hair and stuff. He's like, okay, well, well, maybe, maybe the cameraman. So pulls up my Instagram. She's like, oh, he's cute. And then she messaged me on Instagram. And like three months later, we started dating. Six months later, maybe. So she slid into my DMs. Producer dude, this might this baby face might be the only one to use fishing to his advantage for women. I, I, I Literally. Of all I, can't, time. I cannot imagine that ever happening. I mean, just no. seeing the YouTube fishing videos and that someone actually reached out to one of these hosts. It's it's pretty funny. I've never thanked thanked the guy that uh, you know referred Sam to Uncut Angling, but uh, yeah, I would I would I would attribute uh, I would attribute our marriage to, well, to Uncut Angling. Otherwise, we wouldn't have connected. I don't think. 
I mean, Kenora's got some good fish. I mean, doesn't Gussie live pretty close to you there? Yeah, Gussie's ten minutes away. Gussie's Gussie's the the pride of the pride of Kenora. That guy is unbelievable. Yeah, you're not gonna take his title, probably. No, 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 no. I don't case. want to either. No, Gus, Gussie's the man. <laughs> so he's with all that, the billboards when you come into town. Is he really? Yeah. There's there's <laughs> a big a big sun, sunset country is like the local tourism thing, and he's he's the face of sunset country. That's so funny. So realistically, though, you guys seem back, I would say more in the younger days, like you guys had, I can remember seeing some crappie stuff and, 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 and a lot of different things. It's almost like you had some untouched stuff, those kind of secret Canadian shield lakes or maybe oh, yeah. just, you know, the pressure. Do you miss some of that stuff or do you guys still sneak and do that? It, it's so funny. Like Aaron is one of the most secretive people I know. And some of those videos that he's filmed I still don't know where he filmed them. And that's the crazy thing. There, there's lakes that Aaron will only go to by himself. And he wouldn't even, he, he, you know, wouldn't take me, which is like, if he was going to tell someone, he'd probably tell me. And he's just like, he's next level on some of that stuff. Like he's a magician and he'll just disappear. And you don't know where he's at. And he comes back with these 16 inch crappies. And it's like, man, there's a reason why, you know, <laughs> you're one of the best, well, but just putting the hours. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's kind of where I'm going. If, if somebody's listening to this, you know, we've got young kids and then we've got some old guys that kind of follow yeah. what I do. I, I'm tend to be the older guy thing at this point, but when you got some young kid and he's like, Hey, I want to be a YouTuber. I, I think he's hearing all the glamorous stuff and hears that Jay just got a hookup from it. You know what I mean? Producer, that's probably going to get a lot of kids excited, but, and, but then you go from that and you back up. And what I heard in there as a lifelong guy, I've never had a real job fishing industry from yeah. day one what i hear is is a dude that spends a ton of time trying to fish a bunch of lakes and what they don't see on the video is is a lot of days of sucking it up and that's well, what that's what you don't see you know what i mean yeah and that's the thing that I, I i will tell kids and that i've i've seen with aaron is like aaron was 25 when uncut angling started he had logged obscene hours fishing by himself exploring getting skunked and it's like aaron gets skunked more than anyone i know because he will not do the easy thing. And I know this keeps coming back to Aaron, but he's just like, he'll, he puts in the hours. And then he decided that once he was 25, he's like, then I'm going to start filming fishing. It wasn't like when he's 14, he was going to start filming. And not that you can't start filming fishing when you're 14, but like he had guided by the time he was 25, he had guided for seven years. And then he spent the next five years fishing tournaments and online tournaments and all this stuff by himself. And it's like, by the time he decided to start filming, he had a pretty impressive, you know, track record of places he'd been fish he had caught. And I think if you want to document, um, document your journey as, as a YouTuber and like getting into fishing, I think that's cool. But it's like, people are also going to see through you as well. If you try to speak like an expert on a topic and you've never done it before. Like I've, I've filmed a couple hunting videos and I'm so green about hunting. Like I don't know half the terminology and, but I'm fine with that because I'm just, trying to bring someone along and be like, Hey, this is my first deer hunt. I don't know what I'm doing, but if you want to watch it, you can watch it. But I think if I went into that trying to film this, like I'm some hardcore deer hunter, people would see right through that and it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be relatable. Right. Yeah. They're going to be on you real fast. If you don't yeah. know what you're talking, I mean, you just look at anything in the media world now, Jay, what, what has been your, uh, your most challenging video? I'm interested to know as someone who also goes and shoots a lot of these fishing videos, Hmm. Good question. Story Good about question. something most challenging. So I, I I produced a series with Aaron with Uncut Angling called Thirty Nine Hours. I did season two of it, and uh, for those of you that aren't familiar, Thirty Nine Hours essentially was Thirty Nine Hours of fishing. There was four teams spread across North America. Each team had a cameraman, and it was catch as many species as you can in Thirty Nine Hours. 
And that was my first time doing like a producing role. So each cameraman by the end of the trip had 50 hours of footage, <laughs> yeah. 60 hours of footage because you have the fishing time plus some travel time. So you have like 200 hours of footage. And then I was working on, you know, sponsorships and the editing and just all that fine tuned production stuff. And just a, a project of that scale was definitely the biggest undertaking. If I'm just going out myself and I just have to deal with my footage, it's easy. But as soon as you're dealing with other people and editors and four other cameramen, it gets complicated. So, I mean, anytime I'm doing a bigger project, if I go fishing for half a day and try to make a quick video, that's not too bad. But it's like, if I go fishing for a week and I try to turn into an hour long film, that's where it gets more challenging because then there's more variables on how you want to tell that story for, for any of those things. I mean, it just gets complicated. You know, I guess one thing that, because I don't want to put too much of your business out there, just like I don't want mine, but we're pretty open on this. And I don't think this is too invasive where I say that like from a business standpoint, let's forget we're talking about filming fishing for a second. Yeah. Let's say you're, you're talking to a financial advisor and you go, yeah. Hey, I want to put all of my money in Sony stock or Apple stock. He'd be like, I don't matter who it is. He'd be like, um, no, that's not a good idea. Right. You yeah. got to kind of spread it around. And do you think at some point, you know, because of some of the directions you're going on, I know it's not totally, we'll get to some of the other stuff like that. Nice little box you sent me yeah. but youtube let's say they pull the plug on youtube or something crazy happens i mean it's it's not totally unfeasible that that could happen or you know whatever but when you look at doing that versus other things because or maybe it's the opposite for you where you look at like you're doing some stuff with meat eater now right yeah and when you start doing that and now you're putting the control into somebody else's hands i mean do you see What's your thought process on that? And you know where I'm going. I'm, I'm just yeah, terrible yeah. set up, but no, no, no. Like I don't, I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket because I mean, so the YouTube hunting world definitely had a scare recently because some of the biggest names had their channels demonetized. Are you familiar with this Ross? What just happened? hundred percent. Yeah. So, dude, hundred percent. Yeah. It's scary. So a bunch of the guys, Flair is one of the biggest guys, uh, Andrew Flair from the Guggen squad, um, seek one. They do a bunch of urban deer hunting. Some of these massive channels, they got an email and they said, hey, your channel doesn't meet guidelines. You're demonetized for 30 days. And if you don't uh, you know, meet the requirements after 30 days, you'll be demonetized further further after that. And it's like some of these guys, I bet you Flair's making six figures a month on AdSense. It's insane. But like I've crunched really? the numbers on what Flair does, and I'm pretty sure most months I bet you he makes six figures, which is un un unbelievable. Um, but like imagine that just getting turned off without like talking to a human. It's just like a blanket email they get. So then Andrew Flair, and this is because it's hunting specific stuff. Flair made a video about it saying this is what happened, kind of told his viewers. And then the VP of YouTube, one of their top monetization guys, messaged Flair and said, we're going to get this fixed. And now their monetization is turned back on. But like hunting has always been touchy. And now seeing this, it's like, okay, I still, I used to dabble and post a couple hunting videos here and there, but it's like, why post a couple hunting videos if it's potentially going to jeopardize everything? Because fishing is still pretty Dude, safe. I mean, we're going to go down a rabbit hole real fast, but I am definitely pro Second Amendment. So anybody listening to this, I don't think they'd be surprised by that. But, you know, some of the companies I work with also have hunting lines or whatever or parent yep. companies. And the amount of ads that they cannot place now on YouTube or social media outlets, let's not even pick up. It doesn't matter. Yep. Facebook, whatever. Yep. It's scary on the type of censorship that's going on there. And, and again, whether you're pro second amendment, or I don't even know if this isn't a second amendment deal, but just the, the censorship that's going on this. Um, and it's just, it's 
specific censorship. I think that that's the scary part. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want to be the person at Facebook or YouTube, any of those things right now, I would want to be the person making the decision on what's allowed to get posted and what's not. Cause it's, they're scary places. I watched some video the other day on some moderator for Facebook and he was telling the stories of the stuff he'd seen on Facebook. And I know we're going down a rabbit hole now, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's complicated. And that's why like the stuff that shows up on my Facebook feed and YouTube feed on recommended, I'm like, how is this stuff showing up in my feed, but hunting stuff can't be allowed because it's like hunting is where our food used to all come from. And now it's where a lot of food comes from. And it's like, yeah, it's a tough deal. So, I mean, back to where we're at on, on eggs in one basket, it's like, that makes me nervous that maybe fishing's next, you know, if hunting's first. That's exactly right. Potentially fishing is next because you're putting, you're putting hooks in fish's face. So like, um, well, again, to really, to really alienate some people right now, we'll say, you know, let's look at six months ago when they said, you know, oh, no, you're not going to have to have a vaccine mandate. No, you're not going to have to carry a vaccine card. And here we are. So regardless of where you, you feel on that from a personal health standpoint, don't care. It's irrelevant. The point is, is there's a lot of liberties that are being taken away that kind of remind me of my grandpa who was in world war II (laughs) in the battle of the bulge and trying to go against things. And now we, you know, different, but similar way are, are kind of sneaking back there. Yeah. It's uh yeah, I don't know what I don't know what's going to be next. Like, there's always talks, and uh, yeah, I get the odd message about, oh, we want to start a third, uh, a, a new uh, media platform that's hunting and fishing specific. But YouTube is just such a beast right now, and they're the best platform to pay their creators back. There's no platform like YouTube that pays their creators like YouTube does. That pays you to make videos and has the ads. I forget what the stat was, but it was oh, just billions of dollars. Because for every dollar I get from YouTube that ad company, McDonald's, whoever it is, is paying YouTube a dollar and I'm getting it. They're paying YouTube $2. I'm getting one of those dollars. You know what I mean? So YouTube is making just obscene amounts of money. But yeah, that being said, like I'm trying to diversify, um, you know, doing stuff with Mediator, but still that's, that's still YouTube based. Um, I mean, even Instagram, it's owned by Facebook. So who knows what's going to happen? Like, you know, Facebook went, I don't know if you guys had it too, but Facebook, when they, when they're down for a day, did that happen to you guys in the States too? Or was that just Canada? That was in the States no, too. No. So it's just like, all of a sudden it's like, man, what if I lost my, my Facebook and Instagram? It's like, I, it, it was a nice moment to have a day without it. And I'm like, man, this is what life would feel like without, without social media. I wouldn't want to lose my YouTube or Facebook because I put a lot of time into it. Um, but it, it would be interesting if we had to reset. So um, that's the long segue to tell you guys about my new fish batter company called Catch and Cook Coatings. <laughs> no, my, I, I mean, you're always promoting stuff on YouTube, right? Or often promoting stuff. Like I said, you need partnerships. And then at a certain point, it was like, I like, uh, I like promoting other people's products, but it's like, man, I think, uh, I think it'd be cool to have my own product. So buddy and I started a fish batter company called catch and cook. My buddy's more on the chef side of things. I'm more on the marketing side of things. And we kind of put our heads together and we're like, well, what, what's missing in the market? And it's like, man, the, the fish batter, market category is kind of empty. There's kind of not much going on, nothing new and fresh. So I was like, oh, let's start slinging our own fish batter, promote it through the videos. And, you know, to try to make a lure right now, a fishing lure, it's like, it's a pretty saturated category. So we're making fish batter now. And it's something that, you know, if, if YouTube doesn't work out, or maybe when I'm 70 years old, I'll just be selling fish batter and and not filming YouTube videos. I mean, we'll, well see. do you know, there's a couple old timers, um, 
one I like, one maybe no, maybe not. But you know, Gary Roach, he's had a batter for like oh, yeah, he's had his own yeah, and for like I mean, I can tell you because for my high school graduation, he sent me a twenty pound bag. Um, <laughs> That's true story for, for a fish fry so that's how long ago he's been doing that and then you know even like babe winkle i mean he's got the spices and stuff those those guys are doing pretty good with that it's a it's a good way to grow your thing the margins are good and and people need it and it's you know like you said you, you if you like it you keep buying it because it's it's not renewable per se like you yeah, need exactly. to keep buying more you use a lot of it and i mean if you walleye fish i'm sure i'm sure you you must eat a lot of walleye you know you'd be surprised you'd be surprised nope. i pr- no not really um Believe it or not, I like perch. I mean, I don't dislike walleyes. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's like my 401k, you know? I just yeah. release them. I yeah. let them go. Yeah, my guidelines, they keep enough of them. But yeah. So what else should we know before we let you carry on and make some expensive stuff here and videos and all kinds of cool things? I mean, I feel like the only thing I want to hear yet, producer, you, you step in. I want to hear some an editing tip or two so that you can help producer dude just take it to the next level. Besides that, I'm good. You, producer, okay, I, got an editing tip. I got an editing tip that, that has saved me so much time. And it's my oh. biggest, my biggest secret of editing. If you're oh. using it, it's only good if you're using multiple cameras, there's a program it's called pluralize. And I learned about it when I started shooting weddings. Well, pluralize does, I mean, the name kind of gives it away. It's like multiple eyes looking at your program. So if you have three GoPros and your main camera, you put it into this program and it'll take all the audio waveforms and it'll see the highs and the lows. Like let's say I'm screaming when I catch a fish, it'll find that same scream on all three cameras and it'll line it up. So I'll put a days of footage in and it'll line up all the camera angles. And depending if it's a windy day, it'll have a tougher time doing it. If it's a calm day, it'll be no problem. But what would normally take me eight hours to sync up will take me five minutes to sync up. I put into the program, click a button. It links up all your cameras, turns it into a Adobe premiere, like the editing program file. And then I go into editing and all my camera angles are lined up. So that saves me just so much time and headache of, of, cause I would do that in weddings. You'd have your multiple angles and you put it in and line everything up. That is a great idea. That's a that great is, thing to know yeah. instead of yes, trying to, I think he said this right here. Yeah. His mouth looks like an F and this is yeah. an F. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's something that works. It doesn't work all the time. Um, but if you deal with multiple camera angles, it is good. Um, and then the other part, I mean, I don't know if this is necessarily a tip, but when I, whenever I'm editing, I'm always just trying to think like only giving people the info they need. It's really easy to just drag on and all of a sudden you have a 40 or 50 minute video but what somebody told me once is they said, you want to, you know, enter the scene late and leave the scene early. Like as in just have the essentials in there because YouTube also favors your watch time algorithms. So the more the people are watching, the more likely they're going to recommend that video to other people. If people are only watching the first 30 seconds and clicking off, YouTube isn't going to recommend it as much. So you want to keep people engaged as long as possible. So it's like, there's times where I might catch 60 fish in a video and only include I mean, I don't often catch 60 fish. I might catch five fish in a video and I only include three of the fish because those other two just weren't relevant to the story or they didn't add much, right? So I think I think it's easy getting caught up in trying to include all that, but I think just focusing on what do I need to tell the story in a concise fashion and you know build build that story. Yeah, you'll have to make some time to come down and fish with us, whether it's ice or open water. But uh, I just want to thank you for your time today. Everybody, thank you, thank you for tuning in to the Big Water Podcast, especially old Jay Siemens, formerly of Uncut Angling, currently with self-filming extravaganza. How about that? <laughs> Thanks, guys.
Make sure you check us out on bigwaterfishing.com, Big Water Fishing on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and then this podcast producer, dude, I'm running out of breath. Please help me. Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Play, you got you got Android, you, something. You Boom. You yes. Just type in Big Water Fishing. You know, that's why I would rather tell them right there. Big Water Fishing, we're everywhere, but the jail cell, the milk jug. Yeah. <laughs>